Hello, friends and neighbors, uh, lovers and friends, substackers, ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, all that good stuff. How are you? It is another Ask Corey Anything, sort of a hybrid Ask Corey Anything slash park rant, simply because I'm recording this out in the park. It's been rainy and butthole-ish the past couple days, so I'm happy to be out here, still sort of walking through the muck, but you know. You got to take what you can get. You got to get them steps in, dude. I'm so glad <laughs> that uh, I have replaced certain, I guess, addictions with uh, walking as an addiction. That's like the best way for my brain to do healthy things is to get overly obsessed with it and, and sort of like do it in a way that like seems like an unhealthy behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's good for my heart. So that's great. The question that I was asking, I, I, I decided, hey, probably going to only be one question on this particular segment, this episode, is because there's probably a lot to say. And the question comes from our very own Sarah Wofford, who, by the way, has their own Substack, which is great. Uh, they write about their experiences. There's some sci-fi. It is a lot of fun. I think that you should subscribe to that. And uh, for the record... If any if any other person uh, listening to this has their own Substack where they write things, let me know because um, I don't browse a lot. I sort of just I mean I you know I'm 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 active in the chats and on the comments and stuff, but I haven't really just like browsed around the new uh, Substack features. Like there's like a timeline now. It's sort of getting to be like Twitter, which is uh, you know really. I, I love that. That's great. It would be so awesome if everybody navigated from Twitter to Substack. Not only would that help me uh, business-wise, <laughs> but it would help me mentally because I think Substack is just a better platform. Now, granted, and I hope that Substack doesn't have some sort of algorithm that listens to all the audio and blocks things, but, like, you know, obviously it is possible <laughs> that in the future... Substack could turn into the same thing. You know what I mean? That's uh, that's the unfortunate thing about the internet is that things. It seems that things can only be really great for a little while before complete unchecked capitalism ruins it. Uh, like there's a lot of stuff going on with Reddit right now. I don't know if y'all are on Reddit, but I absolutely love Reddit. I mean, all the stereotypes you hear. Uh, from Reddit are 100% true. It is absolutely full of hate and vitriol in some aspects, but I just try to stay away from those uh, communities. You know, I've got my little, I've got my little communities that I follow. That's pretty much just for fun. Um, I know a lot of people make like several different Reddits so that they can have like each Reddit can have its own like personality. Like, oh, this is my Reddit just for fun. Or this is my Reddit for politics. My Reddit is exclusively for fun. Like every now and then there will be some politics that gets shown in it, but it's just if it kind of crosses over with one of my uh, communities. Like, well, okay, I can't say that I don't have any politics on there because I follow a very great, <laughs> a very great Reddit community. Is um, is leopards ate my face, <laughs> and it's basically what they post is like. Republican Republicans tweeting things, and and they're shocked. Like they voted for a thing, and then they're shocked that it actually happened and it screwed them. Like one of the most recent ones was like 
I think it was a, a gay dude who voted Republican and then was like super upset when all this anti-LGBTQ stuff started happening and everybody was pointing out like, yeah, wh- what did you think you were voting for? Like they're very, very vocal about stuff like that. And then there was another lady who was on Twitter and turns out she was a huge like COVID denier and anti-vaxxer and she was posting on Twitter about how she was like, you know, have y'all noticed that ever since COVID happened, things at restaurants don't taste the same. Everything doesn't smell the same. And and everybody was like, yeah, you have long COVID. That's one of the symptoms. And she was like, no, 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 that's not true. I know a bunch of other people that feel this way too. It's just that things don't taste like they used to. And like, she just could not admit that, oh shit, I got COVID and this is one of the symptoms. It's shit like that. So obviously everything gets a little political. But what's happening with Reddit is, uh, and I know, listen, I'm getting to Sarah Wofford's question, I promise you. And the question, by the way, is what is your best writing advice asking for a friend? I assume, Sarah, that that quote-unquote friend is you, and I'll get to why uh, I think you should not be taking advice from me later. But I'm still going to give it, by the way. That's not how this works. You know what I'm saying? Even if I feel unqualified to do something, by God, I'm going to do it. But the thing that's happening on Reddit is that they're blocking third-party apps. Like, you can't... There are all these other apps that you could use to view Reddit that were actually, like, really inclusive to people with disabilities, like poor eyesight or, you know... uh, You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like... They they had resources over there to where someone who might have had a disability... uh, could have a good Reddit experience, but because they're going public or whatever, they can't have that and blah, 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 blah. So like, again, everything that's perfect ends up getting ruined on the internet. But here's, here's my writing advice, Sarah. First off, I'll preface this as I preface everything by saying, I'm the, I just feel like I'm the least qualified to give writing advice. Uh, that said though, like I can't argue that writing is not something I have. I've been doing it my whole life. I mean, I've certainly put in my 10,000 hours. It's just that you'd think after putting in 10,000 hours, I'd be a lot better at it, (laughs) you know? But, like, I feel like I'm the least qualified to talk about writing for a person who has actually written on a high level. Because I can't deny that I've written at a high level. And by that, I mean I've published two books with major publishers, HarperCollins and Simon & Schuster. Um, I used to write for the Huffington Post. They, they nipped that in the bud real quick, but I did, I did used to write for the Huffington Post and I've written pilots for television for the actual studio. So like, I can't deny that I seem like a person. And of course I've written jokes for 20 years. I seem like a person who should be able to give writing advice, but I just don't feel it. And maybe that's just me being too hard on myself, but I'll give it a whirl here. Obviously, I don't think this needs to be said, but I will say it because sometimes, and I've noticed this about myself, sometimes like I actually don't think of the most obvious thing. And the the real best advice is just write. Keep writing, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. But that's also advice that I don't always follow. So, you know, I feel a little shitty even saying it. Um, because like there's part of me that feels like you should write every day. But I, and maybe I do in some way, whether it be like a note to me, if you want to count a note to myself or a little journal or, or pieces of writing, then kind of, yeah, I do. Um, 
But to, to honestly, like the, the way that I think about it, and this is all of this advice might not apply to you, like, but you know, there might be something in here worth something. Um, you know, I listen to, I listen to things for advice all the time. You know, I, I listen to a bulk of things on a certain topic that I want advice on. And like, yeah, I may only take 10% from one particular person, but sometimes that's a really good 10%. Um, I just, yeah, keep writing, but like also like, in my opinion, know in your heart that every day you're not going to have your best shit. That's just period. Like what happens, I'm a very streaky guy. Like I will, I will get, I will not have an idea for shit or be able to do anything for like two weeks. But then one day I will write two weeks worth of things. You know what I mean? So it ends up coming out in the wash, but it's like some days you wake up and it just ain't there. Like for some people, maybe creativity is something that you can turn off and turn on. Maybe. Um, but with me, it's not really that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, no matter how I'm feeling that day, if I have a podcast to do or I'm a guest on something, I can absolutely turn on my performance creativity, but that doesn't always translate into the, the page. And I used to feel really bad about that until, and this is going to sound like so up my butt, but it's true. This is another example of taking a piece from someone, even though you don't believe in everything they say. Uh, Aaron Sorkin once was talking about how um, 90% of writing is just thinking about writing. So, like, you, <laughs> he was talking about how he really only writes, like, 10% of the year, and the other 90% is him thinking about what he's going to write. And I was like, oh, shit, that's so true. And, and when he said that, I realized, like, oh, you don't have to feel bad um, for not writing every day so long as you were doing something in the active pursuit of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, let's say I'm wanting to, uh, I, you know, I'm wanting to write an essay or something and today I just don't quite have it. It's just not in me to get the words out on the page. So what I'll do is I'll throw on one of my Rick Bragg audiobooks and I'll go for a walk in the park. And oftentimes that inspires me. Because Rick Bragg writes about things that I want to write about, um, and he says things in a way that makes sense to me, and he's so goddamn good. Like, I will never be as good as Rick Bragg. I'll never be 10% as good as Rick Bragg. But the, but after listening to Sorkin, I was like, oh, that counts, kind of. I can chalk that up as work. As you know, another a friend of mine, David Joy, has said, and, and this is other people have said this, but basically it boils down to... If you don't have time to read, then you don't have time to write. Like a writer must be someone that reads a lot. Um, and that's true. I mean, how could you not? Now, granted, I have broken that uh, rule so many times in my own craft, which is stand-up comedy. Because I do believe that in order for be, to be a stand-up comedy comic, you must have you know studied the greats and watched stand-up and understand, you know, learn different uh styles and techniques and yada 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 but that being said i haven't watched stand-up in a very 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 long time um that wasn't my own stand-up that i was watching to tweak a joke or something like that i still watch like you know when one of my favorites or one of the greats puts out something I'll definitely, you know, that's like must-see TV. Like, if Burr puts out a new special, I'm fucking in. Now, that being said, Mulaney is that way for me, and I still haven't watched his new special, but that's really only because, 
we had a baby, so the limited time that me and my wife are able to watch television, I, we both want to watch something that both of us can dig, and Amber's not a huge fan of stand-up. <laughs> She's not at all. <laughs> um, she claims it's because she gets secondhand embarrassment. She's like, She's like, well, what? It's just like, I fear that, you know, like when we go to a bar or something, there's stand up, I'm going to watch somebody that's, and they're not good, and I'll feel bad for them. And I was like, Amber, if you're watching it, if it's a John Mulaney special, that's not going to happen. He's literally one of the best in the world. And also, she'll say that at like our shows. And I'm like, baby, I wouldn't have anybody on my show that don't hit. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have passed the test, my litmus test of do they hit. Um, so we don't, I hadn't watched a lot of stand up, but I definitely need to get back to it because I, I could, I, it might be affecting my joke writing and shit. And all, but like another reason is like, I didn't want to watch a lot of stand up Cause I was like, what if I accidentally took something or what if I found out that a joke I've been working on, somebody else was already doing it. Then I have to stop doing it. Whereas like, if I'd never seen it, I, it's like, I didn't steal shit. You know what I mean? Cause like that happens a lot. Uh, because like, there's only so many fucking things that you can talk about. So everybody's going to have similar subject matter. It's just like what the joke is or your take on it, which comes to another piece of writing advice that I have that works for me is I feel like when I first started writing, definitely, definitely when I was writing for the Huffington Post, um, I felt looking back on it that I was trying to write like a writer instead of writing like myself, if that makes sense. Like, I was so concerned that I was coming across smart. And by the way, it's I don't think you can even go back and read those things. I think they were scrubbed from the site. It's so funny to think about me writing that stuff and thinking that it was smart. But you get what I'm saying? Like, I was trying to sound like a writer instead of trying to sound like myself. And, like, in stand-up and in essay writing, like, I... I just write like myself because it's it's when you write like yourself and you have a very unique perspective and a unique way of saying things it's impo- it's almost impossible for someone to steal your shit because like unless you are a 35 year old you know white progressive from a civil war town who makes soup and quiche and loves cozy midsummer murder type mysteries it's not going to sound right coming from you. Like I've, I've, you know, created my personality or I've let my personality really come through. And, you know, do you, do you, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Like just write in a way that only you could write and it'll, it'll come through. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's advice that I have for sure is be you and don't be afraid if something, if you read something of yours and it's like, oh, that doesn't sound like Melville, it's like fucking good. It doesn't sound like Melville. You're not fucking Melville. You know what I mean? You're you. And I think people really like that. They like to read something and go, wow, this is different than anything I've ever read before. This doesn't sound like someone just trying to write. This sounds like I'm listening to this person's soul. God damn. I'm so pretentious. Um, but also, I guess some writing advice is, uh, don't let uh, perfect be the enemy of great. I think I've talked about that a little bit on this Substack before. And when I found out what that was, like, there's people who, they'll have been working on something for 10 years, but the reason that they're still working on it is because they, 
it's not perfect and they can't let go of it. And it's like, dude, you have like six drafts ago, it was, it was great. And now you're going to ruin it by trying to nitpick everything. You know what I mean? Like, I also heard sometimes it's like, art is never finished. You just stop doing it. So like a painting is never finished. What you're seeing is just when the painter decided to stop. <laughs> so that's like, I get it. Like that's the writing essays and stuff is so much different of a medium for me. And I feel uncomfortable with it sometimes because when I write a joke for the stage, if I go up there and tell it and it halfway works, I can retool it and then try it again later, and then eventually, after 50 or 100 times doing it, get it perfect, and there you go. But with an essay, it's not really like that. I mean, you can keep editing, keep editing, but once you send it out to people, it's done. That's how it is. And it would be weird to, like, remix an essay, I think. I have considered going back and, like, taking some of my old essays and, like, you know, running through them and seeing if like, oh, maybe my opinions changed on this. I'd like to revisit the topic, but like, I'm not going to go <laughs> rewrite an essay just to fix one line. That would be insane. Um, and also, um, like I was talking about earlier about it's 90% thinking about writing and 10% writing. Like, don't be, don't get, don't get down on yourself when you have writer's block. And, and that's something I'm, I'm I still struggle with a little bit, but I'm getting a lot better at it. Like I, currently, I have writer's block, and I'm disobeying so much of my advice here. But like I cur- I'm currently I have a little bout of writer's block. I have four unfinished essays in the drafts here on Substack. They're all of various. Um, they're all at various degrees of unfinished. One is like right there, and I just can't get over the hump. Um. And that's why, thank God, <laughs> there's also an audio medium on this substack, so I can still be entertaining and engaging when I have uh, writer's block. Because when I first started the substack, I was I was in like a one of those super creator modes where everything was just working. I was just flowing. It was like coming straight from my head to my fingertips to the page. And my dumbass literally thought like, "Oh, I can keep this up forever." And it's like, dude, no, you can't. Here's why you can't. Because you're not Stephen King. (laughs) There are some people that can do that. Stephen King is one of them. But you got to understand, you really have to understand who you are and work within the limitations of yourself. And uh, because I think overexerting yourself in writing can be bad. Like, writing in, in and of itself is hard, but I think that the best things I've ever written felt easy when I did it, if that makes sense, because it was just, it just made sense and it was coming right out of me. I mean, it literally was just like, I thought it and there it was on the page. You know what I mean? So like, to me, if I'm sitting there and it is killing me to write a thing, it's probably not going to be a good thing. Uh, probably not going to be a good thing. You know, like, the and I'd say part of my writer's block um, is due to the fact that we just wrote a book and that was a bit, it's, you know, that's not a big undertaking for some people. Like I said, Stephen King writes like 10 a year, but for somebody like me, that's a big undertaking. Um, and the book is great. I'm so proud of it and I love it. But as soon as I was done, it felt like I had ran a marathon and I was like, well, I can't, I can't even walk tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like my muscles are done. They're gone. Uh, (laughs) 
and also like I think there's a part of it too is like having a book um, being published by a major publisher makes me like very aware of the fact that like anything I now write has higher expectations to it like anything I write now it's like well this better be good because they gave this guy a book deal and that's like scary to me but but I got to get over it um, because the next piece of it, because of the next piece of advice, which is do not be afraid to fail. Um, when I'm doing my best shit, it's because I have this attitude of, Hey, I like it. Therefore I'm putting it out. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. You know what I mean? Like there's been plenty of times when I liked a thing, but I was so scared that nobody else would like it that it took me a long time to click publish. Because I was like, what if they say this? What if they say it's bad? But then, like, I've reversed my attitude on, like, well, who gives a fuck what they say? Who is they? You know what I mean? Who is they? Like, it's just someone's opinion. And if your opinion is that it's good, then it is good to you. You know what I'm saying? And, like, no matter who they are, there's probably going to be more people that like it. Or, more true, there's going to be more people who don't have an opinion on it at all and don't care, you know? So, like, just, dude, write to make yourself happy and don't be afraid to fail. Like, I, there's, I've put some stinkers out there, um, but I thought they were good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought It's the same goes with, like, when I make a video. Like, it's so goddamn crazy. How? Because it works out this way too. I'll put out some things that I was like, well, that's definitely passable and I'm not completely unproud of it. So we'll see. And that ends up being the most popular thing I've done. Happens in videos all the time. I'll make a video that like, I'm like, this is the best video I've ever done. This is fucking hilarious. And it'll, the, the response will be like, meh, <laughs> which God damn it. I hate people that say meh. Um, and then, like I said, I'll, I'll, like, have a deadline to hit on something. I'll make a video about it real quick, and then, boom. Everybody's like, this is your best shit ever. So, like, you just can't make a... There's no rhyme or reason to what people fucking like. So, at the end of the day, you got to just worry about number one, which is you. Just, like, fucking, I'm proud of this. Here it goes. And, and like, when it comes to the shit on, uh, on Substack especially, I'm like, well, you know what? I mean, there are people who pay five dollars a month for this but also everybody knows they can get it for free so like if i put something out that maybe wasn't your cup of tea it's like well i didn't cost you fucking anything <laughs> you can just move on like it's different if like like if you end up finding out like here's the deal my book does not suck but let's say hypothetically you bought the book and it didn't hit for you it's like well that's fucking thirty dollars gone <laughs> you know what i mean so it's like okay it's more fair to be critical of that you know, I just, I've never understood people like criticizing a thing that they got for free. It happens. It's whatever. But like, I'm like, look, dude, if it didn't cost you shit, just move on with your fucking day. If it, if it actually hits your pocketbook, then yeah, fucking leave the one star review. Yeah, I deserve it. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that to me is like, and again, I, I'm so guilty of not being fearless like I preach to be. Sometimes I'm not fearless. I've been very, very fearful lately when it comes to my art um i say my art you know the silly fart videos and such that i do it's not fucking art some people do it and it's art not me um having the kid really changed me and for the better in in in, in most all things 
but like, I don't know, like there's so many things that I used to would do that now I think twice about it because I have a kid and I'm like, well, one day they're going to see this or, or it's a lot of it is my kid is going to have to go to school with other kids whose parents will see the stuff I do and they will take that out on my kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm so worried that like, it'll affect my kids' friendships. Like, certain people will be like, hey, you can't be friends with Bane because his daddy did this, this, or the other, or whatever. And that, like, my kid is going to have to pay for the sins of the father. And, like, that really that really bugs me. I really think about that a lot. Um, be, because, like, dude, when my sister, my sister was two grades below me, and, like, the teachers that had me definitely prejudged her because she had the last name Forster. Now, she was nothing like me. She was not a troublemaker, so, like, they quickly got over it. But, like, that's a real thing. That is an absolute real thing. And if any of the teachers who had me uh, have my son, they're they're going to judge him based on me. And, again, as long as he's a good boy, they'll get over it. But I don't know if some of the parents will. Like, I think there's probably going to be people who are like, you shouldn't hang out with Bane. You can't go over to his house because his dad's a goddamn, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever. And so maybe I'm less fearful now in the things that I do. Um, And also, um, I think a lot of it was like I'm less manic now. I still get manic a little bit, but because I'm balanced out on medication and therapy, it's not as prevalent Um, and when you're manic, dude, I mean, it's the equivalent of being on meth and cocaine and Adderall all at once, like in terms of confidence, like, dude, when you're manic, holy fuck, like I, you could run for president. Do you know what I mean? And I'm less that now I'm less reactive. Um, I still have all the same opinions pretty much. It's just that. Um, well, I'm less likely to immediately scream about them. And a lot of that is by design. Like I try when you like, you can't just take pills and go to therapy and be happy. You also, you also have to choose, Hey, I'm going to do things for myself that, and I'm going to eliminate certain things from my life that were triggering my unhappiness and, and triggering me being in a bad mood, which would lead to depression, which would then lead to anxiety, and it's a vicious cycle. And it sucks because I feel like here for a little bit, and having the kid does this too. Bill Barr had a great bit about how, like, when you have a kid, you get sucked into this time vacuum, and you don't really know what's going on because you have this singular focus of raising this child. So it's harder to keep up with current events. Like, you don't know, like, it. basically the whole bit was about how, like, you know, parents would raise a kid for 18 years and then they would re-enter society and they didn't know all the stuff that now you can't say because they just, they didn't get the memo. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I find that happening to myself and it, it makes me feel horrible because like that is very clearly my privilege showing. Like it's very clear that it's like, yeah, as a white man, especially in the South maybe, as a white man, me paying attention to things doesn't matter because none of them will affect me. And that sucks. Because, like, 
obviously I care that they affect other people, but like I have to limit my time. I have to limit my time and how much of my brain I put into just complete negative shit after complete negative shit because it sends me down a bad path that I don't want to be. It, I don't ever want to feel like I used to feel. I don't ever want to be fucking suicidal again. I don't ever want to feel like there's nothing I could do. And unfortunately, it's pretty easy to get me in that spot if I start thinking about the fucking world too much. But again, that's, um, that's privilege speaking. So, <laughs> goddamn, I didn't know I was going to go there today. Uh, but it's true. <laughs> it's 100% true. So, you know, I got to figure out a way to balance that. Cause like, it's not like I don't care anymore. It's like, I do. It's just that like, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, the my only fucking job right now is to raise this kid and make sure he don't die and make sure that he's a good citizen. And, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of time to do anything else <laughs> except for like my job. Um, so Sarah, I hope you found something in there that is decent advice, but I do think the best part of it is just keep writing, do the thing. Cause that, you know, if someone asked me like, what's your best stand-up advice? It would probably be, you know, it's what I said about Jan that Janet said, which is, it's not the funniest that make it. It's the ones who stick through the bullshit, but that also applies to like, just keep doing it. Like with anything, the way to get really good is to be really bad for a while and slowly chip away at the things that were bad. Like you'll, you'll find out the things that are bad as long as you, if you keep doing it and then you make less of those mistakes over time and then boom, you're an expert. Um, which again, I'm not, dude, I don't know where the fuck commas go or fucking, I don't know when it should be a semicolon. That's why I got my Bessie, Bessie Gant, the best editor in the world to do all my books. But on the Substack, it's just me, which means that it's going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> but uh, luckily, it seems that none of my substitutions are the um, oft-feared grammar Nazis that are the bane of my existence. Because nothing looks more goddamn pretentious on the fucking internet than when someone corrects somebody on their spelling, especially when it just doesn't matter. You know, and it's like they think that they're like making that person look like a dick, but it's like it's just making you look like a dick. It's like, especially when I don't want to fucking get into it. Jesus Christ, I'm about to go back down that dark hole again. <laughs> oh man, I hope y'all have a good day. Hope you enjoyed these musings and ramblings. And remember, yes, you can pre order my book, Round Here and Over Yonder, a hillbilly travel guide that I co wrote with my best friend, Trey Crowder. And you can get that pre-order link by going to CoreyRyanForrester.com. That's where you can find all sorts of cool things. Um, I, but, you know, stay on this Substack. That's the, that's the main important thing. And tell your friends. We appreciate you. And remember, if you're, low, if you're paying for this but you're low on money, just unsubscribe and then resubscribe as just a free subscriber. You'll still get all the same shit. If you're someone who doesn't like recurring monthly payments, you can always make a donation to on PayPal at buttercreamcory at gmail.com. I thank you to all those who have done that. Again, it is not at all necessary that you do that. It's just some people would rather pay that way. It's like, I want to pay for it, but I don't want to be charged with my credit card. Here's some fucking PayPal. You know, if you want to do it, that's cool. If not, keep hanging around for free, baby. 
and support all our substackers. Like I said, Sarah, uh, I believe it's Wofford Rights. I'm not looking at anything right now, but I subscribe to it, so I believe it is Wofford Rights. And if any of you have a publication, please let me be aware of it, and I will help promote you uh, to the best of my ability. Love yourself and hug your grandma if she's still here, baby. Love you, bye.